That is the weirdest thing to hear like three times because my monitoring is fucked. I can hear it like <laughs> echoing so bad in my headphones. Morning. Welcome to Don't Be the Artist. I'm Hagen. I'm Dave. 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 <laughs> I'm Adam. That I'm Jujitsu Jackson. <laughs> I don't like that one at all. I don't like that one. That's not my favorite. Yeah. Let's start the episode over. <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's do I'm, it again. I'm J Dot. How about that? J dot work perfect. I love yeah. it. I love J dot. Mm. So uh, we are gathered here today to uh, do uh, the deepest of dives. We're doing a whole discography this time. Good on us. Finally, yeah, which we, we said we weren't going to do again, but no, we never said that. Yeah, we I, never I, said I... that. <laughs> so l- let's just get into it. We have four albums to go over, so I'd like to just get started. Today, Jackson's got to go play more video games, all right? We got to hurry this fucking shit up <laughs> so he can go play more video games. I told my girlfriend, do not let me play any more video games. Even if you see me pick up the controller, you have to tell me not to play. So that I've got that taken care of. Don't worry, it's not happening. Uh, we're good. We're here to talk about the American uh, rapper from Compton, California, K-Dot. Oops, I meant Kung Fu Kid Kenny. Oops, I meant... Kendrick Duckworth. Oops, <laughs> I actually meant Kendrick Lamar. I love his full name, Kendrick Lamar Duckworth, because Kendrick Duckworth sounds like some '90s like cartoon character. Like I bet there would be a character on Hey Arnold called Kendrick Duckworth. I think it makes sense. Yeah, I can see that for sure. So we're gonna talk about Kendrick Lamar. Um, I. It's safe to assume everybody knows who he is. Even if you haven't listened to him, you'd probably know the name. Uh, but he's just a prominent, you know, within the last 10 years has been a super prominent name in hip-hop and rap, whatever you want to call it, tomato, tomato. But, you know, I'm happy to be wrong if what I just said is completely off the mark there. But um, he is... Uh, I don't know. Let's just get into his music or like he what is, we th- he is five six. He He's is five. so short, <laughs> unbelievably short. I saw the picture of him at the White House with Obama, and we were trying to figure out: is Obama really tall, or is Kendrick Lamar really short? And it's both. So uh, yeah, I actually don't know how tall Obama is, but I can comfortably say that Kendrick Lamar is shockingly short. I think Obama's like 6'2". Exactly. He is 6'2", on the mark. Yeah. I didn't realize how short he was until I just read about it. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Y'all are doing some weird research. I'm listening to like Dude. Zane Lowe interviews, and y'all are like, how tall are they? It's the first. <laughs> Google him on your phone, on Safari, on your phone, and it's one of the first things you're going to see. This wasn't, this wasn't like, I wonder how tall this guy is. I swear, it pops up right away. Any interview I saw of him, he was sitting down, so I never thought about it. Yeah, so yeah. if you're wondering how intense my research is, also, there you go. <laughs> I just find, I get in some weird spots sometimes, and I'm like, wait a second, why am I doing this right now? I don't need to be researching this. <laughs> like, I want to know about the sandwich he had for lunch when he was in the middle of recording Section 80. <laughs> I've always, I, I've used to research a ton and like write notes, like all these fun facts and stuff, and then I was like, that that's not fun to listen to somebody reading off their notes. So what I do is I do the same amount of research and if it comes up naturally, I'll talk about it. But otherwise I'm just super knowledgeable on Kendrick Lamar for this week or two 
that right, we've yeah. been listening. So it's well, it's, yeah, a good it's good way for to do trivia, it. you know, the the trivia game we always have to play. <laughs> I like it. I like the wording. <laughs> we always have to play. <laughs> yeah, you know, you never know when you're going to have to play a Jackbox game, and there'll be a Kendrick yeah. Lamar question. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> you never know. All right. Well, we're going to get into Kendrick Lamar. Uh, I am confident in saying I have not really listened to Kendrick Lamar prior to this. So um, that's kind of I brought this up because, you know, I hear his name all the time. Everyone. It's like Kendrick Lamar, Childish Gambino, Anderson Pack. They're like, you have to listen to these people and, yeah. you know, hip hop community. And I just never have. And so this is me trying to get into it and try to actually listen to it. So. You know, that's kind of where I'm coming from is absolutely, you know, fresh. I knew nothing about Kendrick. I had heard a song or two, but other than that, yeah, not really knowing much. I listened to a lot of his stuff, but especially to Pimp a Butterfly. It was like when that came out, it, it blew my socks off. And then I started learning more about like where he was from and his lineage. And, you know, he's kind of in that, that, that history of like Snoop Dogg, everybody from Compton there's a great clip of Snoop Dogg being like, Hey, you better take care of this because we're handing you the torch. So they kind of like, you know, the passing of the torch of hip hop. So that's, that's was just so cool to see a new generation, especially, you know, like you said, for like 10 years, he's been right at the top. Yeah. I mean, so I, and that's something we're going to talk about a ton. It's just, you can't talk about him without talking about his inspirations because sometimes they are literally on the track, whether or not mm-hmm. they're alive or dead. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into that. But, you know, he's been, before he was Kendrick Lamar, he was going under the name K-Dot, I think was his professional name before um, becoming Kendrick Lamar. But he really has been active since 2004 and, you know, is still active to this day. But he didn't start actually releasing music under the name Kendrick Lamar until like 2011. So we're going to be talking about 2010. Oh, okay. My bad. January of 2000 or sorry, July of 2011 was when section 80, section 80 came out, but he put, he, but he put out overly dedicated before that, but, uh, well, yeah, dedi- but, but that was under Kendrick. He changed his name before that. And right. so his, so section 80 was his first studio album. Yeah. But he changed his name and had the K-Dot mixtapes. And then 2010 happened, and he changed his name after a bunch of things happened to his own name and released Overly Dedicated, um, which was his first release under his name. And he had and, five uh, mixtapes, right? I believe so. Uh, the the crazy one being, uh, God, I didn't write the name down, but it's it, it's a 26-track mixtape that he <laughs> released uh, like in 2005 or 2006. Um and that was shortly after he got signed to Top Dog Entertainment, being one of the okay. first artists on Top Dog Entertainment. I, yeah, yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't listen to the mixtapes. I've never heard them. Oh no, I didn't listen to them either. I just, I just, I just read about them because, I mean, it's a super interesting thing. The way the hip hop community grows and the way artists grow in hip hop is very different from any other scene uh, and any other style and genre. I mean, you build yourself up through the constant push and release of different music. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it could be a trial and error thing. It could be like they just have this in them, so they're going to do it. It could be that maybe, I'm not saying that rap is easy or hip-hop is easy, but because of the way the music is produced, you can you can push it out a little bit faster. Um, well, yeah, and I think, too, if you're worth your weight in gold as an MC, then you, you're already very prolific. So then exactly. it's a matter of having someone supply you with beats, and then you can put something on it. So the output is just, it's quicker that way. 
yeah yeah so so he was he was putting stuff out like you said starting in 2004 as k dot and then just kept going he just didn't stop from then on just kept releasing mixtapes um and then yeah and then 2011 section 80 happened uh which was his first studio album yeah and that's where we're gonna start today um section 80 the first studio album so this is you know already starting you know i i don't think this is the shortest one we listen to but it's 59 minutes almost 60 minutes it's you know it's not a short album it's 16 songs and that's going to be something that for me uh i had to get wrap my mind around that that's just kind of how this uh genre pumps out uh music whether or not there was even an interview that i saw him talking about like oh is this going to be a mixtape or an album and i was like i can't even really comprehend what the difference is and he kind of jumped around the question just saying like i'm releasing whatever music i'm working at the time uh so it really doesn't matter i mean this go Go ahead ahead. (laughs) (laughs) we're so polite all right uh this has been a good podcast everybody see you later (laughs) too much kombucha uh (laughs) he 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 definitely like made a, a difference between the previous releases and this one by making it more of a, like kind of a concept album, you could say. Yeah. It follows the, the two characters. Uh, what are their names? Keisha, Keisha and, and Tammy. Yeah. And like talks about kind of the hardships of their lives, but that's not the full scope. It's like the first couple of songs set up the scene and you know, there's a, the, these little skits in between songs and it's a, like a deep voice talking to people around a fire. And then the, that, the narrator we could say brings up Tammy and Keisha and then it talks about like the you know inner cities in the 80s when the Reagan era kind of just threw everything to shit and the ramifications of all that so then we get into Tammy and Keisha and they're like two prostitutes that end up uh did you guys get the feeling that they ended up like together I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but I think it's worth talking about before we get into the tracks. I'm pretty sure they do get together. I'm pretty sure they do. Um, that is the, the that that's that's what I read is that they get together. I read um, that too, but it didn't it didn't get it outright. Like no, but I don't think it's supposed to. I mean, like I think that it's it, it, what I was gonna say about the mixtape and album thing is that like mixtapes can have more like you know varying themes but the albums in rap and hip-hop kind of like stick to like i mean it's multiple themes but it's like more story driven so this isn't like a story straight through but it definitely like sticks with a lot of themes about like like uh the 1980s crack epidemic and the reagan era and all that stuff so i do think that like the story is is giving you something where they do end up together but it's not just going to give it to you straight up because that's not entirely the point of what the songs are the songs are definitely more about like here's this much larger issue with like the reagan era and racism and prostitution and all this other stuff that's happening um that i want that i'm going to talk about but i'll frame it in kind of this story yeah yeah I so going into this I knew three so he's got four albums and I knew three of the albums names just going into it just by how popular they are and I had never heard of this one and uh, it wasn't that it was hard to find but you definitely had to do a little scrolling in Spotify to find it that kind of stuff right so whenever I, I didn't really expect much from this because of that because I was like oh well I don't know it it only had one single on it called high power which was the very last track so 
mm-hmm. you know, kind of a ballsy move to have your one single. I almost said single, single at the very, the, like, the very <laughs> last track. I wish you would have um, said single, single. <laughs> yeah. I'll edit that in. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of had the same idea going into this that it was going to be not like bad or anything, but less. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I knew he had a high reputation for the other albums, which I hadn't listened to either. But I expected this one to be like, uh, yeah, he's starting out, but it was still clearly like really well done all throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it's and crazy. I was surprised yeah. by that because I hadn't heard anyone talk about this album. I was really excited about his other three albums and I, I had listened to uh, the second one a little bit less than the other, than the later two, but I hadn't heard this one at all. And I kind of had a different expectation. I was curious to see how good he was back then. Like I knew already that it was going to be good. I just wasn't sure if it would have the same strength as right. the other three albums. My overall impression was like, I went into it and I was like, you know, after the first two songs, like that first song, as soon as he starts, I was like, Oh shit, this is really good. I wonder if he can keep it up for 16 songs. And he really does. I mean, I, there are definitely, I have my favorites. Like I really like the first two tracks, you know, fuck your ethnicity and hole up. But I think it really hits its stride on what Hagen was talking about. The Ronald Reagan era, which is an actual song. And then there's a track called uh rigor mortis that I super love. And it was just, There is what we're kind of talking about. I think what Adam and I are talking about where we, since we hadn't heard of this one and kind of figured out, you know, it's probably not his best. And, but what I could notice was there were moments like Kendrick Lamar has a very distinctive, uh, you know, vocal performance. Like if you were to, after now having listened to all of his music multiple times through, if you close my eyes and he start, you played me a song I had never heard, but it has Kendrick on it, I would be able to tell you that's Kendrick Lamar. But there are right. times in this album where it kind of wavers, and I think it's just kind of one of those things where, yeah, he had been going since 2004, but I guess he wasn't quite, you know, decided on, like, okay, what's my dis- distinct style when it comes to Kendrick Lamar? Maybe K-Dot had a different uh, style and whatever, but... Uh, you know, it, there are times where you hear his, it's kind of like a raspy tone. I, I don't even know what to explain it, but there are times where he hits it and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's Kendrick Lamar. But see, to me, I'm like, oh, that's his Kanye West voice. That's his Kanye West influence coming out in him. I think his voice is very cool. Cause it, uh, it, it is, it is very individualistic, but it changes a whole lot. I mean, it's right. not like, it's not like yeah, it's growing, but it's like it's clearly an intentional artistic move to be like, okay, here I'm gonna sound like this, and here I'm gonna sound like that, versus you know, uh, there's there's some there's some rappers who they just they just go, they use their voice, and it doesn't really like maybe they'll use like uh, an effect in 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 like the in Pro Tools to change their voice, but Kendrick is actually more using like the range of what his voice can do, almost in a singing aspect, but with rapping, but with just you know getting the words out um, and in 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 changing pitch. It's very interesting, very very interesting. And it's cool to see how that develops in the next couple of albums. But again, just to reverse that, from having heard the the later albums, hearing that, I was like, oh, I wonder if he's still doing those, if he still has that conviction in his different voices, and it's not as developed on this. 
It definitely isn't, yeah. Uh, and it, it, I think that there's something about this album that a, a lot of people were talking about in the reviews that I read, and I really felt it. There's like a, a really raw energy there. There's something that's really natural and raw in it. And I, I definitely would have to say that I feel that across all of his albums, but it, the rawness becomes more... Uh, maybe practiced, maybe uh, becomes right. more more uh, confident. Per- yeah, more perfected in the fact that because I mean, his raw energy is just his raw energy, and so maybe just like this album is early in his career, it's just kind of still growing. Um, but I mean, it, the 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 raw energy that's here really sets an amazing precedent for the next three albums in such a yeah. great way. Yeah, and uh, there are two things I wanted to talk about specifically. Uh, and I think we should talk about this for all of his albums, but on this, I mean, when there's, you know, hip hop music, I think there's two parts of the music. There's obviously the, the artist whose name's on it, who's doing the rapping slash singing. And then there's the track behind it, whether it's a beat, whether it's a live band, whatever. So, and I think that's super important for Kendrick. Cause even when I hear songs that I don't like by Kendrick, if I can focus on the background and it's not just an 808 drum beat and a bass line, like a synth bass, and there's actually stuff to grab onto in the background. And I'm super into that kind of stuff, but I will say on this album, um, and not so much going forward, this is probably the most straightforward album when it comes to song structures because later on especially in to pimp a butterfly you'll have a song that's like seven minutes long and you're like three minutes into it and then out of nowhere it just like u turns into something different not in a bad way but i would say that this one was definitely the more straightforward song structure so if that's for you this is probably where you should be yeah, and even like the, the the vocals, like the way he organizes the verses and sets up a theme, and then here's a verse about that theme, and then we go back to the chorus, and there's another verse about the theme. Like, it's more on the nose than it has been, or than it than it is later on down the road. Yeah, it's a super solid, um, you know, first release. I know that we are talking about it a lot that this isn't really his first release, but first release under his name, and you know, I would like to think this is probably more his he was the driving force probably had most of the artistic control over and that was probably the difference here but uh it's a super solid release and i went into this you know thinking yeah this will probably be fine but i'm gonna really like the other stuff but after i finished this for the first time i was like oh shit i wonder if this is gonna be my favorite album and (laughs) i will just have to finish this episode to see if it was whoa I i found that uh that I, because I was trying to understand the concept behind it too much, that I kind of got lost in how many words there are. <laughs> like I was reading the lyrics and trying to put the story together because, you know, some sources online say that it's a concept album. Yeah. So I was getting too lost in trying to find the narrative. And I, I'm excited to go back and listen to it just, you know, and enjoy it. I tried not to do anything like that because, as I said, this is my first time listening to Kendrick, right. so I really wanted to let the music speak for itself. But also on top of that, quickly I realized Kendrick is not just like a rapper who's up there, like, and you know, here's a really important line in the verse, but like the rest is kind of filler. Every single thing he says feels like is a super, you know, important part of the song and he really it, 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 he feels like somebody who's really thinking about every single line in a song sometimes to the point of confusion where people that are trying to you know uh find the meaning behind the songs in his use of metaphor like for example i think about uh what is it uh sorry 
yeah, hold up. About like him sleeping with the stewardess. Some sources online said that the stewardess was a metaphor for hip hop. <laughs> and I was like, I guess you could say that. So because he's known for metaphor, they're looking for through each word to figure out how it's a related thing. But I didn't hear it like that. So then that's where I kept getting lost in the words. I think that that's like such a amazing thing about you know the use of metaphor in song is that anybody can take anything from it, right? I mean, that's the cool thing about metaphor in any situation. But the way he throws it in so frequently, the way that he uses words in such an amazing way, it's easy to get lost. One, because sometimes it just comes at you so fast. And two, you're like lost in thought. Even if you're not reading the lyrics, you're just trying to take everything in. And it takes a, it, it, it takes multiple listens to actually take everything in. It, it's just not going to yeah. happen right away. There's so much going on. It's so dense. Yeah. Uh, and even this early on, it's so dense. Uh, it, yeah. It's still finding his way, but you know, Still very, very dense material and words. Uh, the flow is incredible. There's, there's, there's really, like, uh, spoiler alert, I don't think we're really going to, you know, say he got worse. Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I definitely, I want to have one critique of the album, and uh, I, that's going to be that the album cover is really lame. I'm not a fan of it. Especially <laughs> his other album covers, I think, are great. But this one, I'm just like, ugh. Uh, that feels a bit on the nose. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I of all the references, that. like in the songs, to guns and Magnum condoms, and yeah, it just feels really. It, it feels like it's the first thing they did, and then they're like, "Yeah, that's good." Well, <laughs> Go it, it, it feels like that, and it's all like it felt like you know he went to somebody or and was like, "Hey, I'm making a, a rap album," and, and I got to take about, a picture of your dresser. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's like, oh, I'm making a rap album, and it's about this stuff. And that person's like, cool, I'm going to do exactly that. And I was like, oh, no, like, you know, it, it's not like that for the rest of the albums. I don't know. We don't have to talk about right, that. Right, yeah, the, the rest of them are on the nose like that. So Yeah, exactly. And, well, I, I found that, uh, it, to be criticizing it, I guess, I, I did find that it was a little too long. Yeah. I think by the time I got to, like, you know, Especially after Kesha, or Keisha's song, like lyrically listening to those lyrics and like the, and then Rigamortis, which is like a diss track to hip hop. After that, I was like, all right, I'm kind of, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> and then there's still four fucking songs left. Yeah, and Absol's outro is. If you guys don't listen to Absol, uh, he's also on Top Dog Entertainment, and he is also incredible. And that's so, such a shame to say uh, that you get tired by that point because uh, I wasn't, you know, blown away by the single, but I, I wonder if I would have liked it better if right. uh, the single was in the first half or the first quarter even. Right. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with that. I, I, I definitely, I didn't even like, I, I didn't realize the single was the last song until after I had listened to it and I went and read about the album. I was like, that really? Like, <laughs> yeah, put it, put it earlier. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a choice. It's definitely a choice. And the single didn't come out much. Like it came out like two months before the album came out, I think. So right. it wasn't even that much of like a single for promotion. It was sort of just like a, just by the way, we're going to do this. No, it's like you have to have one. So yeah. Okay. I guess pick the last song. They probably didn't have the track listing or maybe even all the tracks done. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that I can see be, that. That could be very, very possible. I will suggest that we move on because I think we're going to talk a lot about the other albums. Yeah. Well, Unless you all have anything. Oh, do you have a 
Well, I mean, so the, I've only got I've only got three three questions for us today. Um, two of them are, are kind of like the same theme. Other ones just different. Here's our first one. Uh, um, for the song High Power, we were just talking about, what do the three eyes mean? Does anybody know before I give the, uh, the options? No. Okay, no. so A, a uh, are the three eyes a statement saying how important I, the individual, is? Uh, are the three eyes stating that the song is not about drugs? It's not spelling it high, like H-I-G-H. Uh, is it a song, is it, does it stand for I am international icon? Uh, or is it symbolic of the three main values of the movement, heart, honor, and respect? I'm going to say, A, that it's supposed to symbolize the self, but if it's the one, if it is anything but that one where you said, I, international, whatever you said, (laughs) shout out to you for coming up with that, if that is not what it is. Uh, I'll say D. I'll I'll say, I think, C, the international whatever one, because that seems absurd for that to be an option you just came up with. (laughs) Uh, so the answer is D. Yes! I, did, I, I did come up with I am international icon. Um, uh, so, so that could the, be the, the episode an- title if we didn't name him after what we did. <laughs> so the, uh, yeah. So Kendrick describes high power as a movement, the song itself, the meaning of the song. And uh, they treat it like uh, almost like a religion at the time they were treating the movement of the song, like a religion. The song represents heart, honor, and respect. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, definitely, def- definitely interesting. I, I, I still am confused by the movement of high power, but, uh, it's cool. I wonder, and going into these albums, cause all of them, in my opinion, are too long. Even the really good albums, I think mm-hmm. they're all way too long. Um, and I wonder how much of that, I don't agree with this, but I wonder how much of that has to do with the typical audience who listens to this is the general audience who listens to rap or pop music uh, doesn't go into these to listen from start to finish that they pick out their favorite song. So it's like, if I give you 18 songs, your favorite two songs are going to be different from this person. So, you know, you're trying to get us a, a wider net per se, but that's so weird. Cause I think that's, uh, you know, short selling Kendrick Lamar because especially on his next albums he's so he's on purpose you know putting these tracks the way they are and they tell a story even if it's not like a you know specific concept so i wonder how much of that has to do with it not saying i have the answer i think it could be you you could say that about this release but you know like definitely i agree going forward i don't think there's anything on those albums that shouldn't be there you know in a way that they're organizing stuff yeah it's it's definitely a thing where I got like, I was yelled at frequently because I used to say I don't like Kendrick Lamar whenever people asked me, and uh, people said, "Oh, you have to listen to this album from front to back." So every fan of Kendrick Lamar, not every, but a lot of fans of Kendrick Lamar, are of the belief of like this album is amazing from front to back, and most of those people don't actually listen to albums. And who right. knows if they have truly listened to that album front to back, like actually sat down and listened to it, or they just put it on while they're getting high or some shit. I don't know. But uh, it, it, it still is an important thing to them that it's like, this is a great album from beginning to end, and I have listened to it in some capacity. Right. I will be hesitant with that, Hagen, because I think the crowds that the four of us write in 
uh, do tend to listen to albums as a whole thing. Whereas, you know, people, because, uh, you know, three of us are musicians, blah, blah, blah. So like, we really like to listen to things from front to back. So I'd be curious people outside of our friend group, uh, you know, I don't know, but let's move into the next album. Just a year later, he releases in 2012, Good Kid, Mad City. This was his major label debut. Uh, he was signed by his uh, idol, Dr. Dre, to Aftermath mm-hmm. Records. So, And he even, at one point, was working on, um, what's that Dr. Dre album that kept always moving around? Uh, Com- Compton? No, 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 no. It was called, like... Um, not rehab or some shit like that. Maybe it was called rehab. Uh, it doesn't fucking matter. Well, but I know what you're talking about. It's the album that I guess still hasn't come out, right? Or I, it won't be coming out. Is never going to at this point. Yeah. His Chinese democracy, pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Kendrick Lamar has at one point worked on that with uh, Dr. Dre. So that, that's pretty cool. This is his major label uh, debut. It is a whole ten minutes longer. It's sixty-eight minutes long and boy it's it's long the album cover is uh the album cover is spot on so kudos to you you got that um (laughs) i don't give a shit what uh pitchfork said about it i don't like bitch kill my bitch don't kill my vibe i'm just I, i have to say that from the top but i do love backseat freestyle so while i don't like one of his most famous songs i do love the other one so you know that Lady Gaga was originally on Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe? I yeah. Crazy. And she Crazy. Like released she released what her chorus and verse would have been? Yeah. Yeah, she really I didn't listen to it, but she did release it and and Kendrick was like, "I'm glad she's like she released it and was proud of it." Well, yeah, because somebody they cited the reason she couldn't as timing and creative differences. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, nice to hear big artists having creative differences and not hating each other. <laughs> yeah, was that well, was that supposed to be a nice way to say i'm glad she released it or not because it sounds like it could go either way like i'm glad she thought it was good enough to release that's how i interpret it too yeah so i think that kendrick has this thing where uh and this is only from a couple things but i think that he from a quote of of, he said himself he's not a very emotional person um a sensitive person sorry that's the quote he's not a sensitive person so uh when this album came out uh it was like all positive reviews uh, except for a couple, and there was a, a, a Biz, oh God, Belizean rapper. There we go from Belize, uh, mm. named Shine, who tweeted out about the album, calling it trash, and that the production was horrible. And everybody hopped on him and like just shit on him immediately, um, except for Kendrick. Kendrick didn't do that, and people were commenting on how Kendrick is so non-confrontational. That's awesome. He just let it happen. And later, Kendrick in an interview said. I'm not a very sensitive person and that pretty that was un, that didn't phase me like right. it doesn't really matter. So like if if he didn't like what Lady Gaga did on Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, I'm sure he was like uh yeah, I just don't really like this and maybe it was a big deal for Lady Gaga and he was like okay, sorry, like right. got to get to work. Like I I want it this way and it's just not coming out that way. I'm glad that you like it. I'm sure he was genuine with that statement, but he was pretty much just like it's just not the 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 work I'm trying to get from some interviews that does like kind of come across that he just wants to do his thing and he's not trying to be mean or get offended by it. Right. By, right. by what people yeah. think of it. Even he's just like, I'm, this is what I'm doing and this is how it has to be for him to release it. So 
I could go either way. It does sound kind of like backhanded, though. Like, well, I'm glad you liked it. So, yeah, I didn't even <laughs> think about that because I know that you know some people say that he was very relaxed in the studio for these sessions, but that he was also very particular about how he wanted his you know his guests to you know their their parts to go. And I don't know if he wrote the the guest verses or anything like that, but he was very particular about certain things and very relaxed about other things. Yeah. So this is uh, another album that has a concept to it. Once again, mm. it's kind of, you know, it's loose. Uh, I would argue that in this one, the concept is, it's not all concept albums are autobiographical. All music really is. But uh, I would say that this one is very much autobiographical because the concept is basically uh, Kendrick Lamar's experiences in Compton, uh, growing up in a non-linear narrative so um from what i read and you know i may be a little wrong on this but he he was never in any gang uh activity or oh, anything like that wait a minute wait do i get to talk about gangs i have so much i did oh my wait, God. i did way too much research because i also read i started reading the original gangsters book i talked about it and we talked about the feuds mm-hmm. uh it touches on like some of the history behind this stuff. Can I talk about the gangs for a second? Oh my God. Go for it. Okay. Go nuts. Okay. So, uh, basically correct. He was never part of a gang, but his friends, his, some of his closest friends were Piru bloods. And I don't know if I said that correctly. Piru. Uh, Piru. So Piru was a gang that was based in LA starting in 1969. Uh, they were the original bloods. Um, basically what happened was the Pyrus and the Brims and other small gangs were starting to like protect each other against the Crips. Uh, the Crips were starting to, to, uh, to kill people in, in their families and so on. So eventually in 1972, after enough murders and enough things happened, they formed finally the Bloods. So if you are a a Pyru blood, that means that you are an original blood. So his closest friends... I assume come from the lineage of Pyru Bloods. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they showed footage uh, in some... There was a... He did a little short film for this album, and it showed footage, like archival footage from his childhood of his dad and his dad's friends, like, holding guns and stuff like that. So his dad was part of the Gangster Disciples, which is which is a gang in Chicago. Um, so basically they were just like a, 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 a civil rights gang in Chicago... Larry Hoover was the founder and the leader of the Gangster Disciples. They were also a forming of two gangs in Chicago. Uh, Larry Hoover, funny enough, uh, oh, interesting, maybe not funny, when Kanye West met with uh, Donald Trump in 2018, he uh, he requested that Donald Trump grant clemency to Larry Hoover. Uh, didn't happen. Um, but, yeah, just very, very interesting that, that that was something he did. He he asked he asked Donald Trump to grant clemency to, to this guy leader of the gangster disciples which is kind of cool because i mean he he's 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 got life in prison he has killed people but i mean like i don't know very very interesting <laughs> yeah uh, so so I the know, drug I see where you're coming from yeah the drug life or sorry the the gang life that was part of that was part of kendrick's upbringing was very very prominent uh with his dad being in a gang before he was born in chicago and then his friends being it, like basically like the original bloods or coming from a lineage of original bloods pretty it's pretty insane yeah i mean that yeah. was that's that's the product of his environment that's that's all that stuff it goes back to the reagan 
uh, topic we were talking about earlier, that's where he grew up. So he's talking about he doesn't feel like he's, you know, the content in the album is him struggling with the idea that he should be a part of that environment. So it's, yeah. you know, good kid, mad city. That Yeah, that's exactly. Um, from what I've read about him, as Hagen was saying, he wasn't in a, in a gang ever, but he was surrounded by it. He had friends in it, you know, family in it, that kind of stuff. And from also what I've read about Kendrick Lamar in school, he was a very quiet, shy kid and apparently a straight-A student. I don't know if that was throughout his whole career or just in a time, but in Compton, he was a straight-A student. So there is this idea... and. I'm sure everybody knows uh, Compton, but Compton is a notoriously um, addled area or whatever you want to call it that just has a lot of gang activity. And um, so because of that, he's calling that the mad city of, you know, he's this good kid and like really all you're trying to do in that situation is survive and just go from like, I mean like this, there are parts of the album where he's just talking about, he's just trying to sleep with this girl, but then he has his friends who are like, Hey, let's go, you know, do this to make money or let's just go gangbang and all that kind of shit. And he's just like, man, I just like, I just want to sleep with this girl. Like, that's what I want to do. And like, I'm just trying to keep my head down and just talking about how like, in a situation like that, even though, you know, you're a good kid, you're always being pulled left and right. So that, that's kind of the concept of it. And, um, you know, it's very autobiographical. And even though I'm, you know, a white person who have been, I've been born with privilege my whole life. Uh, there's so much relatable in this concept from like every which way of the album. Uh, so getting into the tracks, Backseat Freestyle is, I think, one of the biggest songs, if not uh, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. But I, I remember Backseat Freestyle is just one of those, like, classic just, like, hits that you hear and you're like, oh, shit. It just, like, it nails this feeling of just, like, oh, God. Like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's just, like, it feels good. Um, and then, like, right after that, The Art of Peer Pressure, which, I mean, you can just read that uh title and you know exactly what it's talking about if you know the concept so and then the uh basically the title tracks there there's one uh track called good kid and then there's one called mad city they're all great those are probably my favorite songs on the album but uh i love this album um i as i said i really liked that first album but going into this i was shocked at how much i liked this one so this one did top the first album for me yeah, I mean, my, my favorite track from this album is Sing About Me, uh, Undying oh, yeah. Thirst. Amazing. It's unbelievable. And the execution of, like, like how he ends the song, and it's like, don't don't forget about I don't know, I can't remember what the lyric is, but he's, you know, the character saying, like, don't forget about me, I'll never fade away, I'll never fade away, and then the song fades out. <laughs> and by the like, way, uh, Dave, how long is that song? Uh, let's see. It's 12 oh, minutes. I was say it's long. Yeah, 12 minutes and three <laughs> seconds long. That, That's crazy. This is his major label debut, and he puts right. a 12-minute song on there. So, wow. I really didn't yeah. like swimming pools. I would definitely take that song out, but uh, apparently that's really important to the concept. I don't it, know Yeah, why. because, well, he's talking about, like, the environment that they're in where a lot of people are using drugs and alcohol to numb their feelings towards their upbringing. And so the swimming pool is a metaphor for drowning in your sorrows and, and getting rid of all that stuff. So he's saying, like, this is just the routine. Like, you know, wake up, drank, 
go through that whole process, rinse and repeat. That's the way he was kind of, that was the environment he was in. But, and he didn't really do, like he doesn't smoke weed because the, there's a story of one time he went to smoke a joint and it was laced with crack. And so he was like, all right, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not doing that shit anymore. <laughs> and that was yeah. just another thing that pointed to him not really being in his ideal environment. Yeah. He did have some uh, notable um, features on this. Drake is on it. Pharrell Williams has some writing credits and producing credits on the very last song. Dr. Dre is on it. So you guys looked at the whole list, right? The whole list of, of personnel on this album. I would like to ask particularly Dave, but everybody a question because we talked about this a lot on the Britney Spears deep dive about how many people are, are how many producers are on that album. And we kind of talked about it in almost like a negative fashion. What is the difference here in your opinion? What's the difference between on Kendrick's album? There's so many producers. And then on Britney's album, there's so many producers. Why would it be more negative on Britney's than it would be here? Or what's the, just in general, what's the difference uh, in your opinion? The only thing I can think of is that he's still a writer on every track. And I don't know if that was the case, if there was a consistent writer on those albums, but that's the only thing I can make sense of looking at it, because it does sound weird that all these like fit together and everything is, really the album is like great front to back, and that doesn't fit with the idea that, well, a lot of producers is not great. Right, so one thing they do have in common is that they, you know, when these stars are rising in the way that can't... I mean, you know, Kendrick Lamar and Britney Spears are very different artists, but they were both, they both caught fire in a similar way where they were getting a lot of attention from people in the industry. So very often when that happens, you get a lot of producers that are like, hey, I want to get on the new Britney album. I want to get on the new Kendrick album. The thing that separates it for me is that, like, like Adam mentioned, he wrote all his lyrics and he wrote all the songs. He's the head writer on almost everything. And with Britney Spears, having that many producers seems like you're more crafting something that will sound good in terms of a product. But with Kendrick Lamar, it feels more like a, you know, adding another paint to a painting, adding another color. And he's choosing these producers largely because they're with, they're involved with Top Dog Entertainment or Shady Aftermath. He's pulling yeah. from the pool of those producers, except for Pharrell. But Pharrell is just like, he has his hands in everything. Even yeah. Britney Spears stuff. Yeah, Pharrell walks up to you. You don't say no. Exactly. Yeah. It de- it definitely it definitely like I I think that I it feels more intended. Like there's a lot more intention behind the the producers than for the Britney stuff. But I I will say that was a weird thing for me looking at all the producers that were on every single album and kind of looking at it. First started here where I was like, well, this is the same shit we looked at before. Like. Yes, he is a writer, but Britney was also a writer. She was a part of it. She was there. She was she 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 wrote lyrics. She was a part of like the musical writing. Um, so it 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 just it's one of those things where I I have to like kind of remind myself sometimes when I think about these artists and it, they're very different. Like you said, there's not there's not like a, a a thing that connects them. It's just like noticing how sometimes these large artists work is largely collaborative and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that these artists are less or more because of it it just means that they happen to have a lot of people working on the album and it may be a good product or not that's irrelevant to the actual concept of collaboration because you can think about it in terms of like us as in, in a local scene if we had the chance to like feature all of our friends on our album that'd be fun as fuck That'd be so much fun. 
But, and you know, so, depending on the band, I wouldn't do that. Sure, of course. Yeah. Like but for like, Moniker, I'd be like, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but like thinking about in terms of, of, you know, their, and sure with Britney's it's different. I'm sure that she didn't choose her producers and Kendrick did choose right. his. But there is that concept of like, we can all come together and, and collaborate and make this thing that will, whether it be sell, be good, there's whatever the reason be. It's it's kind of just an interesting thing that no matter what, when you talk about these big artists, they bring these people in for collaboration. Yeah, right. And I I know I know for for certain that there's a there's a history in hip hop of artists going to producers that they're friends with or that they're they they have access to now due to their record label or their fame. And there's footage of like for instance Jay Z going to talk to Timbaland and. Just things like that where you go, a lot of people go into Dr. Dre because he has like an entire library of like 300,000 beats. Yeah. So he could go, you know, Kendrick could go to Dr. Dre and, and Dr. Dre could say, hey, what is your album shaping up to sound like? What kind of vibe do you want? Oh, that's your vibe. Here are the tracks I have that might match that. I'll try not to kill it. And it's yeah. the same thing with like, but I don't know if Britney Spears, is, I don't know. I don't know that it's the same way for that culture of writing. Uh, yeah, it, well, and it, it, I don't know if it's the same way in terms of, like, how, like, that level of involvement with her, because she she is involved, she was involved, but it it, it definitely isn't the same with Kendrick, because like we've already yeah. said, Kendrick had his kind of, his vision in mind, he had the yeah. art in mind already, um, and I, I don't know if I can confidently say that Britney didn't, but it just doesn't feel the same way. If we um, had to wager a bet, it would be more that, that Kendrick had more of a concept than Britney did. Right, yeah. yeah and I yeah, think a, a combination of that and then the the genre, like, because, I mean, Anderson Pack's albums have different producers for every track, too. So right. maybe it's yeah. just the thing of that, like, that world and that type of music where that is, it, it just works better, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, and it still seems to me like d- the difference is, like, you know, Britney Spears and people of that caliber are crafting an entertainment, like an entertaining thing for people to listen to, whereas you could say that Kendrick Lamar, even, you know, from Good Kid, Mad City onward, it's art. It's more art than entertainment. Right, yeah. I mean, like, looking at, looking at, like, how it's, like, marketed is very, very different. It's just not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. Before we move on to the next album, I, I do think it's uh, good to talk about the style of this album. It's definitely, it is still Kendrick Lamar, obviously, but it's different from the first album in the sense that, uh, you can definitely see his uh, inspirations. He wears them on his sleeve. He is from Compton, so he's obviously a West Coast rapper. And because of that, he had this formative experience where he saw um, Tupac uh, filming the uh, California Love music video. And he's always talked about, Kendrick has always talked about, you know, what, he, uh, what was really important about um, Tupac was that not that he was this huge rapper from that area, it was the fact that he was a huge rapper and he was still part of the scene and he was still uh, contributing to the culture of their area and their lifestyle. And he, it, it was not like a kind of like, a, Oh, I got out. See you guys later. I'm rich now, that kind of stuff. So he wears that on his sleeve and he is a huge fan of West coast rappers, you know, stuff like Wu Tang, uh, you know, all of uh, Tupac, Dr. Dre, all that kind of stuff. But then he's also a, a huge fan. Like one of his biggest, um, influences is uh eminem from detroit and then he's also a huge fan of jay-z from new york and uh i 
in an interview, he even said that uh, he doesn't write anything down because he heard Jay-Z did that, uh, right. that he basically, he just goes into the studio. He thinks about it, obviously, but he goes into the studio and then will do it on the spot uh, just out of the top of his head. And he, he, he kind of laughs it off in the interview saying, oh, you know, I started doing that because, you know, I wanted to be like Jay-Z. But at some point it just became better because now when he goes into it, it's the raw emotion he's feeling. It's not something he wrote down on a piece of paper eight months ago on the Yeezus tour. It's actually him, you know, he thought about it and that kind of stuff. He says, you know, he'll write stuff down like a, a feeling he had an experience he had, and he'll have to put himself back in that mindset, but he doesn't write down actual lyrics, but overall I love this album great artwork and even the deluxe edition artwork is great too so before we move on to this one i forgot to mention something from section 80 is that he uh he stated that uh tupac came to him in a dream and that's why he made the album the way it is and he said uh don't tupac said to kanye or to kanye to kendrick (laughs) uh don't let me die and then kendrick said why and he said because you the and then didn't finish the sentence yeah, his his inspiration is, is drives him, I think, in a lot of way. But also, I mean, I think that he really found his own voice. Um, there was there was a review that I read that was talking about how uh, he brought back like almost like this this '90s hip hop energy with a fresh new spin on it, and it and it, and it felt way more genuine than some of the other bigger rappers from the '90s. It felt way more real. Um, and, and like we keep saying raw, I mean, it's, it's so, so genuine, you know? Um, so I, I, I really do think that his influences are a big part of who he is, but I do think that he did such a good job of being himself and setting himself apart from all of that stuff, you know? And you know, there was like the, the biggest thing to come out of Compton to set this, the, the tone for the lineage of hip hop and that thing was like NWA and you know, largely that's where gangster rap came from. So they were rapping about very, they were rapping very on the nose about what their environment was. But here we have Kendrick who is rapping about the same content, but he's doing it in such a lyrical and poetic way that there, there is what you could say is the evolution of that history. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you guys ready for the game before I move on? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, does anyone know what MAD in MAD City stands for? For all, for everyone who is uh, listening, it's spelled M-A-A-D with, with little periods in between it. So it's an acronym for an acronym. something. Uh, so I'll let you guys guess if it's A, drug-related, or B, gang-related. Drug. I'll say drug. I know, I know what it stands for, so I I'm not going to answer. All right, so you, you, you get lots of points then. Uh, it, it is drug related. It stands for, uh, my angels on angel dust. Uh, it Uh. goes back to the, it goes back to that story that Dave was mentioning. Uh, he smoked pot that was laced with PCP angel dust. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, fucked him up big time. Uh, so yeah, that's where, that's where the mad and mad city comes from. He said also that it stands for my adolescence divided. I like that one better. I think that fits the title, actually. If you were to read it out in its entirety, uh, I think that would work better. Does, Maybe. But it doesn't, does that fit the acronym? No, no. problem. So, then no, th- th- was... so, th- so it doesn't stand no, for that, then. That, that just sounds like he changed it later because he didn't. 
didn't but he was quote like people. in the in the same quote he said it stands for two things one is my adolescence divided and my angels on uh angel dust yeah but why would he spell it to with two a's dude he's just george have... lucas saying it chill out oh my god <laughs> or maybe it's he the went special uh, edition my, my uh adolescence divided <laughs> moving on two years two years later three years later Jackson's uh, like go play last of us part two guys we gotta go no i just know dave's gonna talk about this next one for a long time and we should just this, let, we should just let dave talk so we can go pee i'm completely fine with that i can <laughs> say my favorite song and then walk off so uh three years later in 2015 he releases to pimp, a, to, to pimp a butterfly which uh great title even uh better album artwork this is awesome album artwork uh this album is fucking long it's 78 <laughs> minutes holy shit it's, it's needed, really though. good i man i completely disagree it's needed but it's no, really good on. but before we get past this up because I, I tend to like long albums and i i didn't think anything of the length i knew it was long going into it and then like That's towards the very end of the first song or the last song i was like when is this going to be over and then it was over no. So I, I know, but that's my point. Is like it doesn't feel that long until no, the very, very end. Right. Yeah. Is my point. Uh, Jackson disagrees, obviously, because he, he thought this was too long. But I'm just, I'm upset. I love Flying Lotus, and apparently Flying Lotus worked on with him on a lot of these songs, but only he only released one song. Wesley's Theory is the only Flying Lotus song that made it to the album. Awesome song. Uh, that song for free is weird that's just a weird song and i hate that it keeps getting stuck in my head i hate <laughs> it. i i'm just like walking around just like saying this dick ain't free and i'm like i gotta stop i'm so glad i'm not working at an actual office right now right because you let that song you let that pop out and someone's like excuse me <laughs> and, you're, and you're like matter of fact i need interest. <laughs> this uh you know even the songs i didn't like on this album it, amazing uh background tracks whatever you want to call them the tracks are amazing you obviously have thundercat who has a huge influence on this but i will say my favorite song on the album is king kunta that is a banger i love a lot of these songs that uh song all right which is fucking awesome. It has Pharrell Williams on it. And then uh, Hood Politics. I really like that one. I just love it when people yell boo-boo. So uh, <laughs> good on you. And I think Mortal Man is probably one of the best closing tracks of all time. Not for hip-hop, for all music. That is such yeah. a great song. And I think if you were to listen to Mortal Man without the context of the album, it you probably wouldn't agree with me with what I just said. But right. if you did listen to the whole album, it is such a nice payoff to what is a horribly long album. It's not horribly long. It's Dave, perfectly tell, tell long. Us, tell us tell us about this album. Tell us so, about okay. this album. So this album was originally thought to be called To Pimp a, Caterfl- a Caterpillar. <laughs> and that was, you know, the, a, an acronym of some sort for Tupac. But he thought it would be more meaningful to say to pimp a butterfly, and he also said that it's funny to see pimp and butterfly in the same sentence. And he thinks that people will talk about that for a long time. But the idea behind it is that it's 
there's kind of a poem that plays out throughout the album and each line of the poem relates to the song that follows that line so the song that follows it you know kind of goes with it and it talks about kendrick's experience in the industry and going through that and then at the end of it he reads the entire poem and then he says anyway that's that's just something i wrote down and wanted you to know about uh I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things. And then you hear Tupac's voice. Yeah. So he's interviewing Tupac, but the interview comes from like a, an interview he did in Germany. Tupac did in Germany. It was unreleased. And they brilliantly edited the Kendrick asking questions to Tupac. So it, yeah, it's just like the first couple of songs in the album, it talks about, you know, just him being in the industry and what he doesn't like about it and you know getting more confident in his life and then the middle of the album he goes inside himself which you could say is the cocoon and he gets more introspective and then he goes home to tell people what he's learned about being in the industry and then at the end he talks about how he's evolved into a butterfly and that he is you know he talks about the idea of i and then the idea of mortal man that he is a mortal man there's also a lot of uh, reference. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure on this album about uh, his born again Christianness. Oh, uh, I never actually got that from it. Yeah, I, I th- I'm pretty sure there's I, I, there's at least yeah, I, there, can't remember, I can't remember the song, there, but there's one song for sure that that's a, that references God pretty frequently. There's and, a little bit of that, at least like I think halfway through the album, there's some of that. And I think the poem references it too. I can't. I have to pull up the poem again. But he keeps. He keeps. Uh, the, the poem mentions Lucy a lot, and I don't know for sure. But Lucy is also a name for the devil. Um, oh, so Lucy is is a double entendre in this context. It's for the devil and for the record industry. So, right. So it it, it leads more towards like it, it both. I would say in the context of certain songs where he definitely is talking about his his uh, love of God because he is a born again Christian, which is. Very interesting to think about that he is 100% a born again. He's not like he, he was raised in that, but he he found himself. He found he found God again later in his life. Yeah, and I think a, a, another thing that I read that inspired this album is he took a trip to South Africa, and he said that that was like one of the first times in his life where he was somewhere where he felt like he belonged, um, and even you know more specific on the trip he went to nelson mandela's prison cell that he had for years and that was kind of this really eye-opening experience for him and especially that song mortal man is about that um and he said it was really hard being this uh, artist uh, who now wanted to write to people in compton who are in this what he perceived as a dire situation and write to those people and say hey there's so much beauty in the world. He was saying that that's a really hard thing to do is have that experience for himself, but then also write to the people he feels he's representing and say, Hey, like there's so much beauty in the world. Like this, you know, there's a place for all of us. And, you know, I, whether or not he succeeded in all that, I can't say because, you know, you know, who knows, but that, that was really interesting when I read that about that song, moral man. And, you know, as I said, amazing song and one of the best closing tracks I've ever heard. And Dave, when I say this album is too long, I stand by that. But that being said, 
if I were to give this like, you know, a out of 10 rating, I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. And the only reason I'm taking a point off is because it is so long. I, I listened to this album maybe three times. I couldn't sit through it uh, from start to finish. Right. Like I, I just like I had to take a break or it was just too much content all at once because it's not really there other than I mean, even, you know, the more optimistic songs, uh, you know, it's heavy stuff, you know, yeah. no matter what yeah, it is. For sure. I, so it, it, it's it can even though it's a lot you know a lot of time, uh, you know it's hard for me to listen to that much dense material that long. It's like if if you sat me down and said, "Hey, you need to listen to True Level Weights by Radiohead for eighty minutes," I would I would probably die by the end of it because <laughs> I'd be so depressed. <laughs> yeah, I get that. No, so. I understand where it might seem like we're butting heads. I think it's just like everything on this album is really perfectly executed. And if anything were missing from it, just for the sake of making it shorter, I would feel I would feel shortchanged. But I understand that 78 minutes is a long time to listen to such a heavy topic. Yeah, it's a lot. But I will I will say, and, and I'll propose it as a question also, that uh, this, this album is maybe the most loved album by musicians specifically. Yeah. Why do you, why do you oh, think yeah. that is just the melting of the lyrics with the content of what's going on? And, and you know, I mean, in uh, for free there it's, it's jazz and he's not scatting or, you know, even trying to croon at all. He's rapping about having status and saying that he's worth money and stuff like that. Right. But the way that the, instrumentalists are interacting with Kendrick Lamar, especially towards the back half of the track where he starts rapping in, you know, he has like a phrase that kind of sounds like it goes from four, four to three, four. We're getting a little heady with the music theory here, but the, the piano player starts interacting with that. So it makes me wonder if they were in the same room or if he rewrote some of his words to match up with what the piano player was doing. Right. It just, it's really interesting to think about the production of this album and how they recorded it because i haven't i still haven't read about that yeah I, but yeah I think it's it's just that like the the music is insane and it's very interesting for a hip-hop record it doesn't sound like your stereotypical thing yeah it's it's very very different musically i think that the thing that the thing that like got me a, a little annoyed not from when i listened to this album recently but from the past is when people would say to me like you got to listen to Kendrick Lamar it's basically jazz and I was like okay so I don't really know about that so I listened to this album and I'm like okay I get where you're saying like why you're saying that but like it is does that mean it's jazz or does that it's mean not, like man does that people mean are it's, just, it's that's not a selling point like you can't say to someone in 2020 <laughs> hey I that's like when people are for me I'm not a big fan of cats sorry Adam and sorry Jackson <laughs> It's like, hear me out. It's like when people say to me, hey, you would really like my cat. They're like a dog. And I'm like, it's not going to, what? That doesn't make it better for you? <laughs> I no, feel it personally doesn't attacked here. Yeah, so but does my cat who jumped up here as you said that. <laughs> I know, your cat's looking at me like, what'd you say to me, motherfucker? But it's not a selling point. And the reason people say that is because they know Thundercat is involved in it. They know that, I'm pretty sure, Sput Seawright from Snarky Puppy and Ghost Note played drums on some of the stuff. 
I think they I think the the people that tell me that are like musicians and they use it as a selling point because it's like look at the highbrow level of music here, right? That's why that's why I proposed right. the question of like why do musicians like this album? Uh I, I I've mentioned Adam Neely before on the podcast and he's he's an excellent music YouTuber and he mentioned that this is this is his favorite Kendrick album. And right. I wondered why. He didn't say why. It was in the context of a different thing he was talking about. Um uh, but I, I, I definitely think that it's it has to come from the fact that there is all of this quote-unquote jazz that there is all of this other stuff going on and that makes musicians just go oh my god it's like it's so dense it's so thick with material and it's so uh it's so quote-unquote highbrow right right yeah you can almost you can be like hey you i mean you don't really understand what how crazy this is but i think you'll still enjoy it yeah exactly yeah like to someone who's not a non-musician i wonder if part of that though is just that it's not a typical hip-hop album right yeah i know there's a whole thing with like david bowie listening to this album while he was working on his final album oh really because he he just kept listening to this like on repeat because he was like he didn't want to listen to any music that was similar to his music and then really connected with this one being like different and something something new like he didn't expect it to be what you know it is and obviously it's a very it's not what you expect from a typical album if you just say oh yeah you know it's some hip-hop album like everybody says it's great right. it, it right. is very different especially the instrumentation of it because of all these people who collaborated on it i mean it's it's weird in that regard but it's not definitely not jazz or jazz adjacent even like man it, it's a damn shame that kendrick lamar isn't sentimental because if i was him and i heard david <laughs> bowie was listening to this album during his last production ever like wow that that just hits you, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. That, but yeah, I feel like I would take a break then for a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on with the sentimentality is he worked again with another one of his heroes, uh, Snoop Dogg. So it just keep, he keeps going down the line. And on the next album, there's an amazing feature that I saw coming out of nowhere. But well, also on this album, he worked with George Clinton, which is kind of funny. George Clinton's he, he talks man, about hilarious. all of his work as a big influence on this album too. On a couple of interviews I saw, which does make sense, especially with the song like he's because he's on Wesley's Theory, right? And like the way that George Clinton is on that track, it's just amazing. When he says "Look both ways before you cross my mind," and like they pan his voice back and forth and stuff like that. I don't know. It, it's yeah, so it good. Just blows me away. It's so good. You guys yeah. ready for the for my last my last question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have so. a I have a fourth question that I uh, just came up with, so I'm really excited. <laughs> All right, great. So, so this is this is now not uh, what is it what does it stand for what does it mean question. This is a uh, who isn't on to Pampa Butterfly. Okay, I'm gonna list people. Tell me which one is David not Bowie. on. <laughs> which, which one is not on the album? You're, you're you're not playing, Dave. Oh no, I am playing. Oh okay, but I'm gonna purposely uh, get it wrong so I can do a shot. Well, if you get it right, I have a surprise for you. Um, okay, so who is not on To Pimp a Butterfly? A, we know this one, Thundercat. B, Robert Glasper. C, Dr. Dre. D, Alicia Keys. C, Dr. Dre. And me. Adam? I wasn't on it. You're not I an option. I don't recognize the name for B, so I'm going to go with that. D. That is correct. It is Alicia Keys. <laughs> Alicia Keys... Uh, her son did produce a Kendrick Lamar track when he was five, but it was not on this album. Was it for the, like for the recording of this album? 
No, it was not. Re- it was not for the recording. It, it was funny because I was reading about this album and someone mentioned her name, and then I went to the personnel list on this album and her name didn't pop up. So I decided to just research Alicia Keys and Kendrick, and it turns out that her son, she has a son with Swizz Beats, and uh, that he produced a song when he was five that made it on one of Kendrick's like EPs, I think. Oh um, wow! Yeah, so it, it's 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 pretty crazy. Uh, pretty pretty out there but it was it was in fact uh alicia keys was not on the album robert glasper uh was on the album and so it was dr dre dr dre was an executive producer and he did backup vocals in the first track robert glasper did piano in uh track two i think yeah and he um, was i don't know if he played on well was that for free yeah yeah uh, but yeah so dave you have the most points so guess what you get to take a shot my friend yes do y'all want the fourth question <laughs> now, or, or do you want it now or after the last? Is album? it related to Dam? Is it related to Dam, or is it is it not? It's related to Dam in the sense that it's related to Kendrick Lamar. All right, let's do it after. We'll do it. Uh, after. What do you think, Hagen? What do you think? I don't nope. know, man. I'm We're excited, doing it man. after. Follow your heart. That's how I'm going to wrap this episode up. Is that question? All right. So <laughs> two years after to pimp a butterfly. He blesses us with an album that is under an hour long. Kendrick Lamar (laughs) releases his fourth studio album, Damn. Classic record, uh, or classic uh, album artwork. It's not his best, but it's better than his first. I I do really like it. Um, It is a little on the nose if we're talking about the first one in a different way. But I think going into, you know, what uh, is actually in the album, the music, I think being a little on the nose might be what he was going for. So on this one, we kind of drop not all of it, but most of it of the kind of what we were talking about, the jazz roots, the more live band elements, stuff like that, in lieu for traditional trap beats, 808s, stuff like that. Um, That, for that reason... I kind of got lost because I'm I and I think this is one of his most popular albums like just success wise and which is a shame for me because like I just like I don't know what it is about like trap beats and stuff anytime I hear that little triplet or anything like that I get it loses me and I I think that's just something I need to work on but for that reason I you know I had a hard time with this album but it starts with the track blood which if you remember the song all right there's the amazing lyric, the popo hate us fo show. Uh, wait, no, what is, what, what is it? And we hate popo, want to kill us dead in the streets fo show. Yeah, that's it. It's got and him so in a lot of trouble. That was uh, a lot of trouble, obviously, because by all the people who are racist and, you know, cops <laughs> one in the same. So Fox News. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, so uh, that's how the basically that whole album starts, and then it goes right into DNA, which is amazing. I really liked it, and then after that, I really just get lost. Um, there's a Rihanna. Um, you yeah, know. loyalty. Yeah, it loyalty, was fun. Loyalty, loyalty. This just feels there's like also a, a track with you too. So that 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 Bizarre. was the surprise one for me, Bizarre. and I was shocked. I was shocked. I actually liked that song. Yeah, I saw that too. on Wikipedia on the track listing, and I thought that somebody had just like edited it as, as a joke. So I refreshed <laughs> no. the page, dude. And, and the first time I heard the first time I heard that song, I was like, I don't know who this is, but it sounds very familiar. 
yep. then I looked it up to production. I was like, what the fuck is Bono yeah. doing on it's a crazy. Kendrick Lamar record? I want to go back to the I want to go back to the album cover for just one second, if I may, because did you guys see the text that Kendrick shared from his mom about it? No, um, he tweeted it out. It's very funny. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. I'm gonna just read about half of it. It's riddled with emojis. It is insane. Uh, <laughs> but so the text is, "OMG, this CD is bomb." With about five Bs, you should have put me and your daddy on this one too. JK, this is your best one to me. No bullshit. Your daddy said you look stressed out on the cover. I said that's the point. We always stressing him out. <laughs> Now I want to hear the rest of it. If there's a lot more, to it, that's there's, so awesome. I, I, there, there's about like there's there, there's it, it's like a full like I, iPhone like screen worth of text almost. Right. Sounds like so he's got a good mom. <laughs> when I when I first saw that this album came out, I was already a big fan uh, of what he was doing, and I was a little confused by the singles. Um, but. Then I looked at the track listing and I was like, okay, they're all like one word things with periods at the end. And I wonder if there's still going to be a concept because I was so excited about to pimp a butterfly. And there is a concept, but it's not quite like it was before. It's like, you can listen to this album from top to bottom around the time that it was coming out. There was another similar looking album cover that was leaked or released so people thought that there was going to be another i remember album that to come damn with it. ah now that you say that i remember this hype like crazy because he re- yeah. it was released i can't remember if it was a, it was a surprise when it released i have a very clear memory of when we were doing jago shows of the night that this came out people trying to like get on the like the the ox cable before the bands hopped on to play this album yeah and our, our our sound guy slash old co-host andy was like no 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 what what uh but yeah it, it it was i remember that that night it was insane everyone was talking about this album and now you should bring this up this was like a, it was like a, almost a, a conspiracy theory of yeah like be- the next one's coming like next week or some shit yeah because he said at the end of the album the, the guy that's the mc throughout the album saying like uh i can't remember what he says he says it's uh, the new kung fu kenny <laughs> yeah, he said, this is a world premiere, premiere. Uh, at the end of the album, he says, and we're going to rewind this shit. And so people thought it was like, oh, there's here's another view to the story. So, yeah, yeah no, what it was. So apparently this album, I didn't do this because I just found this out maybe an hour ago. Uh, actually, I think we were recording an hour ago. So an hour before we started recording. <laughs> an hour and five minutes ago. <laughs> um. Uh, apparently you can listen to this album from front to back and then from back to front, like the track, not, not in reverse in the sense, like you could actually reverse the album. Um, it's the track list. Apparently there was a conscious effort to put this in such a way that if you were to listen to this from, uh, track 14 to track one, you would get something similar. Yeah. Because the, the start of the album in blood, it starts out with, with him seeing this, there's a kind of a weird dialogue of him, seeing this old lady and he's like hey can i can i help you and she's like um uh boom shoots him yeah she was like oh yeah because the whole thing is like he said i saw an old lady who looked like she was looking for something like she had lost it and then he goes up to her and says uh ma'am can i help you you look like you've lost something and i'd like to help you find it and she said she turns around she says you have lost something your life and then there's some gunshots Yeah, but the way that he said it, I, w- I always kind of laugh at that. Uh, like, I like the concept, but he's like, you have lost 
you're live. I, I fully <laughs> laughed at that. I fully, I 100% laughed at that when that when that happened. It reminds me of like in uh, the office when Michael goes to, uh, when he goes to the improv class and he just keeps doing the. <laughs> Boom, you're dead. Boom, yeah, you're exactly. dead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it makes me think of, you have lost your life. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize. Uh, but bad, bad, not good is on this. James Blake is on this, and mm-hmm. oh, you too is on this. Did we mention that, guys? We did. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we, we, I know. We did. It's like I want. I, I want to say unfortunately, but like like we've already said, it's, it's good. a good song. Yeah, I was so shocked. It, yeah, I want to say unfortunately because I just really hate you too. But the song I mean, is good. I feel like once every decade they do something good. <laughs> it's just such a bad track record. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple of notes uh before I'm finished with this album, but uh track number 10 Love is like an actual love song and yeah. I was shocked like I I still don't even know if I like this song and this is such a shitty mindset, but I was like this is a good song. It's really catchy. And I was like, but is it a Kendrick song? And I was like, that's so shitty. Why am I putting him in a box? Like he can write a love song. So like, yes, I do really like that song. That, I think that is the most standout song on this, uh, say for the part where you two shows up out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> well, the guy, the art, the artist Zachary had like already pretty much completed this song and then Kendrick heard it and wanted to work with him. So it was largely unchanged, but just like, you know, they obviously produced it. Even though, like, overall, I think this album is very kind of middle of the road for me. I would probably get, like, a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Uh, I, I do really like the, the last track is kind of it redeems it for me. It feels like a classic Kendrick song, Duckworth. Um, mm-hmm. I I think this is probably one of his biggest songs, Humble. But I I don't like that song. I think that that falls into this ca- category with this album where it's just it, it feels too kind of, like, I hate saying this. It feels too mainstream for me. It feels like a, a wide net, and that's where I get lost on this album. It's not a bad album at all. It's a good album. It's just not for me, and I think I can accept that, that there are parts on this that I like, but overall, this album is not for me. People talk about people talk about with Humble that it's so cool that he wrote it uh, in his parents' kitchen. That That's like a fact about it, and it is a fact about it, but like that's that's where he went to write a lot of stuff. Yeah, he went exactly. to his parents' kitchen to write a lot of music. So talking about it like it's a cool, fun fact for Humble is irrelevant when you look at the fact that I think he wrote most of Section 80 in his, in his parents' yep. kitchen. So, All, except for the one song he wrote on, on uh, 30,000 feet above the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but he, uh, that, that song in particular, Humble, that beat was, you know, we're talking about um, Alicia Keys' son uh, producing a song or whatever. The guy that made the beat and the track for Humble is not a known or, well, maybe I'm misspeaking, but he's not a super popular artist. And he just kind of sent that to Kendrick. He might have been a fan. I got to know more about the story. But Was this the guy that made it on his phone? Like he, Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, the dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Kendrick was like, oh, I really like this. Yeah, I think, I think that's the one that the guy made it on his phone and sent it to him, and then it just happened to work out. Right. Yeah, I you know, for me for this album I was thinking like uh I wanted to give it more of a listen because I really respect Kendrick Lamar. And so I think it's the perfect time for him to release an album, you know, if it's going to be more mainstream because there's no doubt that it is. Yeah. A lot of the tracks are really cleanly produced and all the sounds are, you know, there isn't as much of a an acoustic element to it. You can't tell, "Oh, hey, that's that's Thundercat" or, you right. know, that's Robert Glasper if you're a jazz head. So 
it's more mainstream, but I gave it more of a chance and I did find that like, I really started to dig it. You know, Element, for an example, is one of my favorite songs. But when I first heard it, I I turned it off because I just couldn't stand the sound of it. That's the one with James Blake. Yeah, exactly. And I love James Blake. And then Loyalty, I was like, okay, Rihanna. What? Like, but then I actually paid attention to the lyrics and I'm like, oh, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a really cool album. I think that it, 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 really does deserve he does this thing where every album it feels like him but i think that it it, it's not necessarily growth it's just that he's writing new music every time it's not necessarily like oh i'm i'm changing it's just uh, i i'm gonna write what i'm gonna write you said in the very beginning when someone asked him if it was a mixtape or an album jackson they he was like i'm gonna i'm gonna release music right he said something along those lines i think that's just what he does that's what he's gonna continue doing he's gonna just continue releasing what he wants because he is that kind of artist where it's like it's just going to come from him in a genuine way and i still think this album like you said it's produced but it's still like his raw energy it's yeah, still yeah. him so clearly and so powerful there was something there's something about just listening to, to to him in general that just it just takes me away and i had to stop almost every single album about halfway through because of the intensity because right. of how clear it was this is the only one that i went all the way through mainly because i remember so clearly when this came out how big of a deal it was and to take us to another thing to talk about we haven't talked about his accolades, but this won a Pulitzer Prize. And that, right. it, that is a very, very significant thing to talk about because I, I was I was watching videos about this and reading about it. And this is not only big because, you know, Kendrick Lamar won a Pulitzer Prize, but this is the first hip-hop artist to win a Pulitzer Prize. Jazz artists didn't start winning Pulitzer Prizes until, until the 90s. I mean... It's and even then, in between the first jazz artist to win a Pulitzer Prize in the '90s, it was still classical artists. It was still classical composers. So uh, when he won, it was like, "Holy shit, this is a big deal!" But it was also a controversial thing because people were like, "Well, why not give it to these smaller people? Why not give it to the smaller artists, the smaller composer?" It's like, "Well, he's the he's the first hip hop artist to win." So this is a huge thing for a thousand a thousand different reasons. First of all. Every single classical composer that wins, I don't know this for a fact, but I will like bet all my money they're white, right? That's that that's that's almost a fact. Right. So it's a yeah. huge deal that a black hip hop artist won a Pulitzer Prize. That's just a huge deal. So part of the part of the thing that comes with this album, and I, I think this about uh, "To Pimp a Butterfly," "Damn," and I, I guess you could say "Good Kid, Mad City," but. We could do a long-form deep dive episode on each one of these albums and talk about the content. I agree. One thing we haven't mentioned yet with with Dam is that largely this there's you know the first part of the story is that he gets shot by some old lady, and then at the end of the album he talks about a story where Top Dog almost got into an altercation with his father, and this is based on a true story where Top Dog tried to rob a restaurant that you know, like a chain restaurant or something that, that Kendrick's father was working at before Kendrick was born. And if he had shot uh, his father, then Kendrick would have grown up without a dad. And somehow they would have still interacted because Top Dog is Kendrick's, 
you know, label head or manager and friend and producer. So there's this weird, he realized it. He said he realized it one day in the studio that there was a connection between them through telling a story because, you know, his father's nickname was Ducky or something like that, you know, and Duckworth. It's just when you get into that and then you look at the lyrics and how the whole thing runs, you can see why it could be a candidate for a, that kind of an award. Yeah. And, it, and it's, I, I, I think that it's not even about like the, it's not even about if damn is the best thing he's ever done or if damn is like, I, it, it, cause damn for a lot of people's mind is the best thing he's ever done. But right. you would say yourself, Dave, that to pimp a butterfly is better. And for me conceptually. Yeah. But then, you know, sorry to, just one second when, no, he, when you think about it, he says like you know he says at some point in the record damned if i do if i don't and then so mm-hmm. when you that's the that's the idea right that's the nucleus for the whole album and then you zoom out a little bit and it's like damned if i do if you listen to it from top to bottom damned if i don't if you listen to it from bottom to top so then yeah. it gets more then you're like okay that's really interesting so if you're a literary you know, anal- anal- analyzer, and you are really into the makeup of an album, and you're on the board for the Perlitzer Prize. You know, people who decide those awards, it gets really interesting. Yeah, and 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 it really it really is so much about uh, just being the fact. I mean, this 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 isn't like a this isn't to make you know make people happy when you win a Pulitzer Prize. This is I mean it's 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 a an amazing award, but like monetarily it's fifteen thousand dollars. For Kendrick Lamar, that's nothing. It's more about the the fact that he won a Pulitzer Prize, that a hip hop artist yeah. with who is who is, you know, been one maybe is the most, if not like if not he's definitely one of the most, but may, maybe the most influential artist of his generation. Right. With how he does things. Uh, so I, I think that it, it, it's foolish to uh, to debate if it's a you know right that he won. The only thing you could potentially debate is like, okay, maybe he should have won for "To Pimp a Butterfly" instead of "Damn." You know, it's right. it's, it's it's more about that. But I mean, even talking about like, you know, the people who decide the awards, you know, these these supposed intellectual types, right? Uh, his "Good Kid, Mad City" who didn't mention this that uh, this was studied in. It was used as a text for a freshman composition class at Georgia Regents University. I mean, th- what he does by no means should be taken. It's okay if you don't like the music, but there's something about it that's just like, this is on top. This is above so much of what can be done. It's 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 so insane. Yeah, and, right. you know, we didn't mention this, but this came out in 2017 so we all know what happened in 2016 we had the big giant orange came into office and (laughs) (laughs) it's important to think about his like prior history he wasn't political and then not not suddenly he is like that's bad but but now he's talking about that well, right. you know, people were expecting, they're like, oh, you know, he's got all this stuff talking to, like, you know, he had that cop line that, like, he's had brushes with, um, you know, Fox News, all that kind of stuff. So people are like... Right, and you talk about Reagan, I mean... Yeah. You talk about Reagan, that and is there's political, in, but it's not, uh, you know, contemporary, so... In Keisha's song, he has that verse about, the, about Keisha having an interaction with a cop, where she has to you know she's as a prostitute has to provide services to the cop in order for him to forget about the charges she has against her yeah and so people were expecting you know you know 2016 just happened like kendrick's about to release a new album 
and it's going to be like it's going to be this flaming just attack on Donald Trump and the world and in that Zane, there's a great interview uh for this album with Zane Lowe and it's just he kind of says, you know, people were expecting that, you know, do you have anything to say to that? And like Kendrick just candidly says, you know, I've got tons of albums worth of material. I have that album. It's just, he's like, I, this is what I wanted to release. And like, there's like so much respect to that, that people were expecting like, Oh, you need to attack Donald Trump. And it's like, well, no, he was talking about in the interview. Kendrick basically says, you know, because of that, because of what you know who was elected all that kind of stuff he now feels that the people in his community that he would be serving by releasing an album like that he said he feels like all those people are a lot more closer now because they realize oh wow we're fighting each other and this shit is happening he's like there there was no need for that so he's like i wanted to release a more positive album than what people expected from me so even though this album I, this is not about album at all. I, I don't think that. It's just it. this style of music wasn't for me. But it, even then, right. uh, you know, Kendrick, as we were saying, he still kills it on the lyrics no matter what. So good album. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, probably, it's all right. You know. you know, Kendrick's all right. It's just fine. Just yeah. okay. Tur- <laughs> Turns know, out he, okay. he's okay. You know, <laughs> everybody's been telling us. My favorite Kendrick album is still the Black Panther album. <laughs> of course well, it is you fucking I think, nerd i think that's the uh it, on spotify i think like most of his top plays are from that album yeah. good thing he's not uh sensitive <laughs> <laughs> i mean he kind of got handed you know do a an album with everybody that you think is doing great work at this point it's kind of like yeah. the idea behind that album at least so yeah for sure i yeah. think that's kind of cool i haven't listened to it though but i'm sure everybody has listened to kendrick lamar and Adam and I are the only people who are just coming into this news. So, but yeah, probably, you know, we all recommend it. It's obvious. We recommend it. If we're going to recommend an album, I think we're all going to recommend to pimp a butterfly, but I'm going to be honest. I think to pimp a butterfly and good kid, Matt city are like equal level to me. So if you're the type of person who's only listened to, to pimp a butterfly for some reason, go check out good kid, Matt city. Absolutely. I think it's on like the same level. Yeah. I think they're very, very close. I would say yeah, I would say like they both have a have an easy accessible entrance for like two different sides of the spectrum of listeners. So right. like if you if you listen to, to to Pimp a Butterfly and don't like it, then go check out Good Kid Mad City because I bet you're going to like it. It's it's yeah, a right. totally it's a totally different thing while also being the same thing because he's so good like that. Yeah. So so you can find something you like no matter what in Kendrick's shit. Well, and the more you the more of a chance you give it, the more you dive into any of these records the more you're going to get from it. And I would venture to say, enjoy it more and appreciate his craft more. Y'all want the last question? Let's the do it. Big Give it bonus. to me, daddy. All right. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I, I will accept uh, short essays, uh, you know, whatever you want. This isn't an, it, or you can give me an, store. an either or. Um, who do you think loves Jesus more? Sufjan Stevens or... Kendrick Duckworth. Yes. I'm pouring my shot. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to drink the That's rest it. of my whiskey. I we'll would, see you guys I, next I, week. Can, wait, can I actually give an answer? <laughs> yeah, okay. Drink. Go ahead. Drink. <laughs> wearing short shorts, baby. I'm wearing short shorts, too. Ew. Oh, my God. Oh, not uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, I, I it's Sufjan. 
I think it's but, Sufjan. Uh, nobody can see what's going on right now, but Jackson is dancing on a chair, and he's such a small man that it looks really fun. Don't worry, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry I'm cutting yeah. it before this. My short shorts are insanely tight compared to that. All right. Yeah, it's already cut. We're already done. All right. No, Fucking there's there's no way. We got to, I don't know. There's got to be an ending somehow. <laughs> That's Thanks the ending. Thanks for listening. Go listen Thanks to Kendrick listening. Lamar. We really yeah, appreciate do. you for especially, listening to this. Especially if you're like me and you have downloaded To Pimp a, uh, to Pimp a Butterfly and had not listened to it yet. <laughs> like, you haven't heard it? No, until this, like I hadn't. Oh, it's okay. sitting in my, iTunes, my library. Because I saw that David Bowie, you know, listened to it when he's his last album, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I should listen to that." And then I never got to it, and it's just been man, that there. blew me away. The fact hearing you say that it was like gave me chills. Well, he listened to it like on repeat. Like he was like, "This is the only thing I listened to for weeks." Insane. Those are two of my favorite albums. That's crazy. Oh, Black Star, yeah, yeah, Black Star and Tip and Butterfly. All right, yeah. we're done, right? Uh, we're done. Thanks we everybody. We gotta be now, yeah.